next on Rugby Wrap-Up, rugby revolutionary slash visionary, David Moffitt. Rugby Wrap-Up brought to you in part by The Pig and Whistle, the world's best rugby pub. The Murphy Kennedy Group, founded with the idea that construction can be done better. And Lean and Limber, stretching your way to a healthier lifestyle. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Matt McCarthy in Midtown Manhattan, and we are talking global rugby once again out of New York City. And this time, we have somebody that knows quite a bit about the global rugby game, Mr. David Moffat, calling in from New Zealand. David, welcome. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. And uh, and I have to say I've been looking forward to this because, uh, you know, I think um, – your country represents a great opportunity for rugby, which they've not actually taken so far. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because we do have professional rugby here, but the pandemic caught, uh, cut season three of Major League Rugby short. Uh, but it looks like season four is full steam ahead. But before we continue with your ideas for American rugby, Let's, let's talk about you a little bit. For the folks at home that don't know this, you're an Englishman by birth, spent some years growing up in Kenya, and then moved to Brisbane, and now we find you in New Zealand, yet you had stops along the way professionally in Wales and in Australia, and now you are not going off into the night. You are fighting to start a <laughs> code called Rugby Rules. Am I correct? Yes, that is correct, except for one thing I need to correct you on. I'm not an Englishman. I'm a Yorkshireman. And there's a major difference between the two. <laughs> Please accept my apologies. Uh, I expect uh, all Yorkshire folks to be sending their letters of discontent. So you've had an amazing career looking at your resume uh, as far as mm. rugby in the world goes because you know if you're lucky to get one job in this in this space of this game that we love that's saying a lot you've had some significant ones and in different codes starting in waste management before you transitioned into rugby and when you transitioned into rugby a couple of the things and I'm not sure of the chronological order but I'll guess uh, you were one of the architects of super rugby was and Sanzar, right? Sanzar yeah. and, the, and the onset of professional rugby. I think that was like 1996. Yep, 95 when we did the deal with Murdoch. Yeah, 95 the deal with Murdoch. I was the CEO of New Zealand Rugby. Um, and then just to sort of complete the picture, I went from New Zealand Rugby to the NRL, then to Sport England, and then to Welsh Rugby. And it's a matter of great pride, Matt, that I, in actual fact, have been the chief executive of such such great rugby nations in New Zealand and Wales. And I'm not sure whether that'll ever happen again, to be perfectly honest with you. It's happened with coaches, um, but uh, certainly, you know, with Henry and with Hansen, but, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure about an administrator. Uh, and I'm very proud of that. Yeah, you know, that you bring up a valid point. That's not something that you come across every day, nor are we likely to come across that again, just because of the way things are going in rugby <laughs> yeah. in general. We talked a little bit off camera, and we, we mentioned a couple of times about the opportunity for a reset as per the pandemic that some nations or the, some unions are just not taking advantage of. And we'll get to that a little bit later, because I did, I did uh, my homework and checked out some of the stuff that you've been saying uh, 
in articles and interviews, et cetera. But one thing I want to point out is when you became the chief executive of the Welsh Rugby Union, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, it, the, the union was in at least, what, 3.7 million pounds in debt. And when you left, there was a profit of about the same. Yep, that's right. Um, but uh, importantly, um, I'd been able to reschedule the debt with the banks and with British Telecom um, to the point where um, we 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 got the debt down from about seventy two million to forty six million pounds, and we had a plan to to be able to repay that. Uh, subsequent chief executives, uh, a chief executive decided that they would actually pay off that debt when they were had a whole lot of money, which I could never understand. And I think the clubs eventually got rid of that guy. But um, yeah, no, it was interesting times in Wales because not only did we have the financial issues, we also had the situation where they felt they had enough players for 12 professional teams, which is quite bizarre, really, when you consider there was only 12 professional teams in the whole of the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, you were the scoundrel that pared yeah. it down to what, four? Four. And the region, uh, you introduced the regional concept yes absolutely and then within two years wales had won their first grand slam in 27 years under mike ruddock um so and, and they've continued to do really well there was a, a comment by the new chi- uh, chairman of um, australian rugby that said you know you can't shrink yourself to greatness well i took exception to that because wales did you know we shrunk to greatness and they're they're now back at you know in the top echelon of rugby playing nations um, and I've got some views about the, the way they were allowed to play under Gatland but you know we can perhaps do that another time I mean you know the 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 fact the fact is that um, I think Wales Wales has got a huge opportunity but they they're always at war with themselves and that's still the case now uh, and that's a shame because you know they keep talking about the parochialism of the Welsh Valleys as though they've got a mortgage on parochialism, and they don't. I mean, you know, New Zealand is as parochial as the Welsh, but, you know, it's a positive parochialism, and they do one thing, and one thing only. Everything is designed to make the All Blacks the most successful team in the world. Well, this allows us to segue, sort of, in one of my reaching segues in terms of the socialistic view of rugby versus the capitalistic view of rugby and you seeing the failings of rugby in general, specifically in the code of union to generate a bigger fan base, because you're saying that if if I'm not mistaken, you're saying that they have failed miserably in a lot of ways in the rugby space, particularly here in America, but we'll, we'll hold off on that. But now you're introducing a new code. You're not, you're not just kicking your feet up on your desk and relaxing, going fishing, going to the beach, yeah. going for a hike. You, you, you're taking the gloves off. You're now living in New Zealand and you've started this thing called Rugby Rules. That's correct. And, and if anybody's interested, we've got a website and they can go to www.rugbyrules.world and uh, they can find out all about it there. Um, and there was, a, there was some catalysts for doing this. And the first one is I uh, said it was, uh, I'm disappointed with the way rugby has gone in the last few years. I mean, it now resembles a mixture of rugby league and American football. 
Not that there's anything wrong with those two sports. I, I follow them both. You know, I'm a Patriot supporter, have been for a long time. Oh, Christ, come on. Not another one. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Get, even you before know what? Tom Brady got there, I was following. You're all frauds. Yeah. You're all frauds. I know. Yeah, it's like, yeah. what are you, a Yankee uh, fan too? Come on. No, 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 no. Um, I, I don't really follow baseball uh, that you're much. Mets, just say you're a Mets fan and we'll, we'll forgive all. That's all you have to Okay, do. all righty. For you, Matt, Mets. Thank That's you, it. sir. It'll be meds all the way. You're kind. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, so I, I, I like those sports, but I didn't think that rugby would ever become an amalgam of both of those, which it has become. And and then there's, you know, so I've, I've been, been annoyed for some time. Uh, and as an ex-referee, um, you know, I've, I've got an understanding of the game. Um, I'm a student of the game. Well, that's, but it all came sir, I, that is arguable. Referees are notoriously deaf, dumb, and blind. We all know <laughs> yes. that. You know, it came to a head because I've been very, very critical of the way in which the game has progressed, and especially in this area of the um, breakdown, generally speaking, but also when they started to allow players to attack another player without the ball in the, in the, in the guise of cleaning out. I was incensed when a guy called Snyman from the Springboks took out Brady Ritali. He was out for three months with a shoulder injury. Nothing happened to Snyman. It was an, it's an assault. Uh, and and, and, and it, it's not just now. I mean, you know, in America, it's a huge issue of what, you know, the, the result of injuries um, on the track 20 years. And there have been way too many concussions in rugby. And you look at the situation with concussions in American football, um, and, and rightly so. So I set out to, to, to design a game that was safe, simple, fast, dynamic, and fun. And you know, you, just, to, just to stop there for a second, uh, last show out, or two shows ago, rather, we had um, doctors Adam White and Alan Pierce uh, challenging the concussion studies done in conjunction with the World Rugby and the RFU. I, I, during the... Um, the second tier competition in, in England. And I didn't get any, you know, I, I, I got lip service in an email uh, and no response from uh, either the RFU or, or World Rugby uh, of any consequence. And they're just ignoring what these guys are challenging in, in terms of their study, in terms of the concussion thing. So, yeah, it is a serious issue enough where people are kind of, they're, they're acting like they're doing things about it, but they're sort of, Brushing oh. it under the carpet and hope it just blows over. Yep, and it won't. And it'll come back to bite them in the backside in, um, you know, down the track, which is happening with a lot of sports. Um, I don't know about um, um, with hockey, uh, ice hockey, um, because there's a lot of heavy contact in ice hockey as well, so I'm not quite sure about that. But even football, you know, th those players that used to play football with the old leather ball that used to get really heavy and they were heading it. I mean, I played a lot of football in my life as well, and... Um, and that's most likely what happened to my brain. You know, that's why I most likely am the way I am. And, and um, spent most of your, you know, career and business in rugby. So you got to be yeah. certified a little bit insane. Yeah, you do actually have to be a lot insane, I think. Um, but, but I know it's been enjoyable, mate. All right. So just for the folks in here, you're, you're referring to soccer, we'd call it over mm -hmm. here. Uh, and yeah. you know in football we've got 17 different codes you're bringing another code of rugby football in rugby rules yeah. and it yes. is 14 players aside 
That's right. It's 14 players aside. Scrums only in the scrum zone and six scrummers? Yes, that's correct. And um, line-outs, only five in a line-out and no lifting. So we want athletes to come back into it so that they dump unaided. Um, And then there is a lot of um, focus on creating more time and space to get a to get a good balance between uh, attack and defense. Because, as, as I mean, you know, you have a look at American sport. They had to change the rules of American sport to allow, you know, the, 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 the attack to get the ball back because the defenses were, were, were so strong. And um, so, you know, we, so that's, that getting, redressing that balance, I think, is important. Um, we, we have a very in, we have very innovative way of dealing with people that are sent off black and white cards, um, which is, um, which is quite innovative and not seen anywhere else in, in any other sport. Please explain. Um, so, okay. Quickly. I'll try and do that. So if you get a black card, okay. So we're 14 each, right? 14 players, 14 players in rugby. If you get somebody sent off in the first five minutes with a red card, the game's all over as a, as a spectacle, as an interest, you know, unless the Just other Sam really- Warburton. Exactly. Take Sam Warburton, for example. So if, if the, the black-white card we had is that, so you give him a black card and he's off and he, and he stays off, right? But he can be replaced. He can be replaced by somebody from the reserves who's not already been replaced. So then you get back to 14 on 14. So then you, then you say, well, what's the penalty? Well, here's the penalty. And this is what I think is very cute. We say that the, the, at the election of the non-offending team, so they can put this little card in their back pocket and use it when they want to, you can double your next score. The, not the next score, double the score of your choosing. So if they were to kick a penalty, there's two points for a penalty, that would be worth four because they've then used their, their black card. If, however, and this is where the tactics come into it and the crowd can get involved in it as well, you know, use your double, use your double. If I was a captain, I'd be saying, I'm not going to use it now. I'm going to stick it in my back pocket. I'm already printing we, the, two, the T-shirts. Yeah. Use when, your double. Use your double, yeah. Um, and and, when, I, and when, I, if we, when we score a try, ref, that's a double. So you've got 14 points instead of four. Are these cards and, and, issued to each team prior or are they earned as the game goes on as no, per no, penalty? It's, it's, no, no, they're not. There's no, no earning of them. It's only if somebody gets sent off, right? Now you've just raised a bloody good point, mate. You know, as to whether you know that would be great in American uh, in the American scene, wouldn't it? If you just sort of said, okay, each one of you have got one of these double cards, use it whenever you like. I hadn't then, thought of that, mate. You should be you should be designing this game with that. I, I listen, um, listen. Nobody asks me my opinion on these things, and where I see them as as plain as the nose on your face, and yeah. Uh, don't get me started on all the stuff over here. But anyway, this isn't anyway, about that. Anyway, so then, so then, uh, so then, you know, you can double that try. That could take you from being seven points behind to seven points in front. A white card, also, you don't lose any players. The player that you give a white card to, which is for professional fouls, that sort of thing, you give them, you give them a white card, and and immediately the non the non offending team gets three points added to their score. And it doesn't matter where the white card is issued. If it's issued in, in your own 22, uh, your, we don't have 22s, in your own half and not kickable, you get three points. However, if they, if they get a white card in the kickable position and you kick the penalty, 
then that's worth a five point. So what we're doing is we're saying, ideally, we don't want to be issuing black and um, white cards because uh, we want the game to be played properly. But if you do, we're going to penalise you on the scoreboard. And and that, I think, but we still maintain the the integrity of the game by having 14 on 14, you know, and, and I think that's important because otherwise it becomes a nightmare. The, the other genesis for, for the way the rules have been written, they've been written very much with America in mind because we want it to be safe and, and as equally, we want it to be simple. Simple to play, referee, um, and, and also to coach. But more importantly, want the fans to be able to understand what the bloody hell is going on out there. Look how but long David, it took soccer David, to... we just, you know, we've just gotten off the ground with a professional rugby league here. Do you think yeah. there's room for yet another code? I mean, not in call, America. Call, the, the name of the the name of the entity is Major League Rugby, which is confusing in itself because it's union, and there is yeah. rugby league in the United States. This game, I think. <laughs> would allow America to get a lot stronger. And they don't like that in the rest of the world, but I think it's important. I think, I think that this game um, would, would suit the American psyche. All right, hold, you gotta, we got to hold there because we have to take a break for commercial. But I want to leave you with this question that you can answer coming out of the break. My esteemed colleague and friend, Martin Vengeli of The Guardian, wants to know why you think this one will take hold when others have failed. Don't answer net. Don't answer right now. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig and Whistle on West 36th Street. And now for our community corner brought to you by the Murphy Kennedy Group. Ladies and gentlemen, in 2018, a scholarship was formed to memorialize Kamal Patel. Kamal's life tragically ended in January, just days before his 30th birthday. Kamal was a warm and joyful person and talented multi-sport athlete. He played rugby at Kenmore East Youth, University at Buffalo, and for the Buffalo Rugby Club. But a positive has come out of the negative, and I'm happy to announce that there is a third annual winner of the Kamal Patel Memorial Scholarship. And the winner of that scholarship is none other than Mr. Omar Al-Jandari of the Fairport Youth Rugby Club. Omar will be able to use the Kamal Patel Scholarship money for expenses when he attends Brown University. That's pretty cool. And Mr. Al-Jandari was nominated for the award by his coach, Joe Kirsch. Congratulations, Omar. I know that Kamal is smiling someplace. And there you have it. This week's Community Corner, brought to you by the Murphy Kennedy Group. And we are back with Mr. David Moffat. David, we left you with that cliffhanger from Martin Pengeli of The Guardian. Yeah. What, what's why is this one going to work when others have failed? Well, I think this what this one does is it, it melds the traditional with the new. It, it actually takes the game and says, 
we're going back to what, what rugby traditionally was, but at the same time, we are going to um, we're going to present the product in a completely different way. I've just spoken to you about the way the black and white cards have worked, but I think the other important thing is that it's going to be played because it's going to be fast. It's going to be played in three periods of 20 minutes, 60 minutes, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, and it's all over. Now, that's something else that will appeal to the American market. Have you spoken to Twiggy Forrest at all? No, I haven't spoken to Twiggy because he's he's being brought back into the fold because of Australian rugby because def- the force. desperately wants yeah he wants they desperately want you know, here's money. a I have this question written but I, this is a perfect time to ask you right now you're in waste management you cleaned up messes yeah. for a living can't yeah. you do you you lived in Brisbane you're now in in New Zealand can't you broker a, a deal here with between the, uh, the NZRU and Rugby Australia can oh, you do no. something? I think what's happened, I mean, I don't believe that Australia's got enough teams for five, enough players for five teams, right? So they are, uh, they should have three teams, uh, Queensland, New South Wales and Western Australia, because Twiggy Forrest is over there, got a shitload of money. But recently, in the last few days, what's happened is that New Zealand has crumbled because Australia said, you've got until early September to accept that we're going to have five teams or we'll go to ourselves. So the first union to blink was New Zealand. Now that's weakened New Zealand's position immeasurably, not only with Australia, but also in the eyes of the world, because don't forget, they were also very vocal in their support of Augustin Pichot. And what they didn't understand was that, um, uh, that what they didn't factor in was the, 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 the way in which the French operate and, and the way in which they actually are political masters. So that's something else that people are saying, well, you know, New Zealand, you know, yeah, sure, the All Blacks, but I don't think that New Zealand rugby has actually covered themselves in glory just recently. Well, the, um, the rugby Aotearoa, am I saying that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, was yeah. spectacular, Aotearoa. except it, it yep. left bodies littered. You know, they can't, they can't, they, and, and everybody was breaking Gatlin's balls about, not having a win or going 0 and 8. And I'm like, he wouldn't be 0 and 8 if the other countries were involved and this was a regular super rugby season. They're no, playing that's the problem. You know, yeah. best 0 and 8 team on the planet. Okay, so that's the weakness of Gatland as a coach. When you have a look at his record with Wales, he's got a 55% win loss record. His win loss record against Southern Hemisphere teams is 25%. And that's increased because he won all of the games he ever played against Argentina. So, I mean, his record. Uh, you know, against yeah, but they, can we pin that on the coach? You could, you could, you know, yeah, there are people out there absolutely. that they're going to be kicking down your door when they see this saying, how dare you question the superiority of Southern mm-hmm. Hemisphere rugby? Well, they may very well do that. And it is superior. It's, you know, that Aotearoa isn't sustainable. They can't keep doing that. The fact are that Southern Hemisphere uh, teams are in the ascendancy uh, most of the time against Northern Hemisphere. The game's a stellar record there. Um, what he managed to do, by the way, in which he played the game, is to stifle the natural Welsh flair. And I'm just hoping that we'll see a return to that. You know, his, his game plan was very simple, easy to overcome. Oh, just pick and drive, pick and drive, fall on the ground, fall on the ground. And the Southern Hemisphere teams worked that out and said, yeah, mate, keep doing that and we'll just run around you. But he had the players there. So is it Warren um, Gatlin that drove you to form rugby rules? Is that Because it sounds like no, you just got completely no, fed up with the game of... Of, of yeah. rugby union as it is. Well, I think 
in terms of the way in which he dealt with the Welsh, yeah, I mean, on the, I, I actually suggest they that they go and hire him. Coach. It made front page of the Western Mail, but um, I uh, I was very disappointed with what he did at Wales and how he stifled all that brilliant Welsh inventiveness. Um, and hopefully they can get back to that because I think that was that is what everybody wants to see. Three 20 minute periods. So yes. 60 minutes of rugby, six man yeah. scrums. Yes. Uh, playing the advantage. I saw some stuff there where it was uh, yeah. not going to go on forever and it's co- totally referee's discretion. What yeah. else is unique? So, so there's no 22 meters. So you don't bring the ball out to 22 meters for a kick. So where is that scrum meters. zone? Because you said we don't the scrum have zone. The scrum zone is 10 meters in from the sidelines and 10 meters from the, uh, the, the goal lines, right? And the reason for that is the, the scrum should be an attacking weapon uh, besides being used to restart play. And what we want to do is open up the blind sides, you know, and give teams an opportunity to play with the ball uh, and uh, to, to, you know, put pressure on, uh, on, on the defence when you've got the ball. Are you going to bring in some, you know, try to bring in some superstars, some other codes, or, uh, you know, like the Major League Rugby is bringing in some stars here. Are you going to bring in a Sonny Bill, Will- Sonny Bill Williams, for instance, after he has his run with the Roosters? Oh, definitely, he won't be Sonny Bill Williams, mate. That guy's always injured. I never, honestly, in the last few years, I mean, I, let's face it, Sonny Bill. Sir, are you, um, uh, how, sir, uh, you're, this is blasphemy. Yeah, it may very well be, but it's true. All you have to do is look at the facts. When I mean, listen, I'm, Donny Bill Williams of his height was a fantastic rugby league player and and reasonably good rugby. I, I never really rated him as high as a rugby union player as a rugby league player. But most of the time, he's injured. I mean, you know, if you did some stats on the number of games that he was that he didn't play, I think it would be very very instructive. Um, so, so are you, say, would, are you saying that he is a fraud? Well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I mean, you know, he's he's not my favourite player, I can tell you that. And yet, you have a look at a guy like, I mean, even Warburton used to pick and choose when he played. But then the captaincy went to, um, oh God, what's his name, from the Ospreys. Phenomenal captain and a phenomenal player who wanted to play every single game, you know. And it's those guys that uh, that, that get everybody excited. You know, I, Wales, you know Wales, let's, let's face it. Wales was bitten by the injury bug often yeah. and hard and, yeah. and hard at critical times, you know, where that depth wasn't necessarily there. And how the hell is George North still playing rugby? Yeah, Talk well, about well, concussion problems. Yeah, exactly. So I mean that they're not they're not doing the right thing by players, and that's another issue. But um let's face it, Sonny Bill's gone to the roosters because for one reason only, and that's uh, for his um, marketing um, strength, I guess. But, you know, he hasn't played that game at that level for some time, so it would be very interesting if he's not injured um, getting off the plane. You're not uh, impressed see. by the, the run with the Toronto Wolfpack? Well, mate, oh, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's – I don't want to, you know – no, so he's I not mean, coming I mean, to rugby rules is what you're saying. Absolutely not. He'd be last on the list. But there are a lot, lot of other players you'd love to see. Give it a go and see what they think. But at the end of the day, Matt, I'm really, really 
privilege to be on here talking to you about it, especially in the American context, because I think that if we can get traction, I think this would be terrific for America. Well, I, I have a guy here in America that can help you with that, if that's the case, you're talking to him. How many teams do you, do you see? How many game seasons? When would the season be? Okay, the season would be played in each hemisphere within the winter season because I think that's what gives it its uniqueness. This idea of trying to develop a global season is bullshit. I don't understand what it means. So, you know, and then you would, you would have the number of teams that can be supported by the number of really good players. You know, what, what, what rugby's done in various parts of the world, and what's one of the reasons Super Rugby's fallen over, they went for quantity over quality. You know, why can't they just learn from what happens in America, for crying out loud? You know, where it's um, you, you, where quality is, a, is the prime object because that way you can maximise your incomes. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I mean, we've got, to, we've got to sort of crawl before we do anything and getting it played first is going to be the hard bit. But we're working on that. When's we're the kickoff going to be? Um, I think in 12 months' time, we will be hopefully ready. Um, there's lots of water to go under the bridge. But, you know, you've got to have a goal. That's a goal. Well, I wish you the best of luck, and I thank you for coming on. It's uh, It's been a pleasure. And I think that we're going to have to get you on again, and maybe uh, with a couple other people that, might want to ask you a couple of questions. It should be a fun show. But in the meantime, this has been great. I appreciate your effort coming on from New Zealand and uh, look forward to talking to you again. No problem. Thanks, mate. And on that note, on behalf of Mr. David Moffitt, I'm Matt McCarthy for Rugby Wrap-Up in Midtown Manhattan, signing off. <laughs>